it's something that's been a staple on our farm and then uh, as of late we've we've maybe made a greater effort to try and make it one of our premium crops and and uh, I think it has the potential to do that and with the prices these days for sure it does. Welcome to the barley bin. SAS Barley's goal is to bring you right inside the barley bin, not a hopper bin or bin within floor augers, the kind you spend a bit of time shoveling, getting itchy, but it's worth it for the pint or steak at the end, or golden nugget you sometimes find uncovering itchy topics. I'm your co-host, Mitchell Jap, And I'm Jill McDonald. We're here for episode four, talking with Sask Barley director, Brent Johnson. Brent was an inaugural director at Sask Barley. This year, he'll wrap up his second four-year term during which he was vice chair for six years and continues to be busy representing Sask Barley on a number of committees. Brent is active on social media, incorporating passion and enthusiasm about barley with his sense of humor. Brent farms with his family in the Strasbourg Hills and he particularly enjoys talking about feed barley. Brent's been farming all of his life. He started his own cattle herd in high school and started grain farming in 1998. Brent's time on the SAS Barley Board has been shaped by his interest in improving farms in small and large ways through barley production, including how the industry works together and ways it could be improved. This year, Brent will be growing AAC Connect and CDC Maverick Barley on his farm. Brent lives on the, far on the farm his great-grandfather started with, uh, now living there with his wife and daughter. They have a mixed farm and run cattle herd with his dad. Enjoying outside activities, including horseback riding, quadding, hunting, and snowmobiling. Welcome, Brent. Thank you. Thank you. That's a pretty good inter, uh, introduction. I will say that we, we actually live in the Lost Mountain Hills. Just a little local uh, fight we like to have here, but Strasbourg Hills would work too if you need to know where we are. But... It's good to know. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, no problem. Yep, you bet. So just for those listening, if uh, come up with any uh, links or anything that in their conversation, we'll include those on the show notes page at sasbarleycommission.com. But uh, let's get rolling with an easy question, Brent. What attracts mm -hmm. you as to barley as a crop to grow? Um, I guess what attracts me for barley is that uh, having cattle on the herd and the farm here, we always sort of had barley as a, as a crop just for the feed side of it. Um, we always needed a little bit of barley uh, for our cattle and uh, and we always, for far as I can remember, we always tried to get malt. Uh, uh, we grew lots of malt varieties. We very, not very often grew, grew a feed variety. So we were always uh, trying to get that premium and we've always tried to, and with always with a backup for feed. And so it's something that's been a staple on our farm. And then uh, as of late, we've we've maybe made a greater effort to try and make it one of our premium crops. And, and uh, I think it has the potential to do that. And, with the prices these days, for sure it does. Can you tell us a little bit more about your farming operation? Uh, I know you just mentioned that um, you have cattle, um, but do you have any more information you can share? So we are a mixed operation. We, we run about uh, 200 cow-calf pair um, here with my dad. And uh, we farm around 5,000 acres uh, of grain between uh, dad and I and my uncle and, and his sons. So in which we sort of share the grain operation, but um, we sort of run a 
three to four year rotation on our grain side and and um, cereals are a big chunk of that and barley is is a big chunk of the cereals but I think it fluctuates from year to year this year it's going to maybe be closer to uh, a third of our cereals will be barley but um, uh, it's definitely uh, been our been a focus uh, we've had for a long time. Brent you've um you said sometimes over past conversations, you and I are at meetings here and there um, that, and I think you've already alluded to it a bit in your first question uh, that barley industry needs a strong feed price to support barley acres. Cause that's the backup. If you don't make malt, um, you want to tell us a little bit more about your thinking around that? And um, so, Yeah. You know, and probably since I've got on SAS barley, I've refined that a lot. And, but I definitely, when, you, when you're a farmer, when you're going to grow barley in, in Western Canada or in Saskatchewan, for sure, the the feed price is what you're looking at for the risk on your crop. You're going to say, what what can I reasonably expect to get for feed? Malt is a good, is sort of the carrot that maybe gets you interested and it's the premium that's there. But if you want to be realistic, um, uh, you have a greater chance of getting feed some areas maybe a little bit different, but percentage-wise, there's a greater chance of getting feed than there is of getting malt. And so you need to know what that feed price is, and that's the risk that you're going to be balancing uh, when you grow barley. And so if you don't have a, an attractive feed price or a feed price that you can possibly make money with, um, you're not going to grow barley. And so without, uh, without that feed backing, uh, the barley industry is not going to do very well. Makes it a little easier decision with current prices. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I know lots of guys this year aren't even thinking about growing malt. They're going right to feed because it's profitable. It's very profitable uh, on the forecasted prices or prices guys could lock in at. Um, you can you can definitely make good money growing barley, providing we get the moisture where we need to grow the crop. I'm gonna just uh, change tracks for a little bit here. Um, we are looking at an election in Sask Barley this year. And as we mentioned before, you're coming up to the end of your second four-year term. So you've been with Sask mm -hmm. Barley for eight years now. Um, what was your, what's been your favorite experience while on the board with Sask Barley? I'll have to say, and I thought about this question when you guys threw those out ahead of time that I could look at them. And I've had lots of good experiences on the board. I definitely enjoy the the board experience of of being in a room with other producers who are are in the same same and different situations and being able to learn from that and I've I've definitely uh, had uh, uh, a good experience being able to help set you know, set policy but help be involved in decisions that will hopefully benefit farmers but I think the best experience that I've had uh, has been. Uh, going to PGDC, and uh, which is the Prairie Grain Development Committee, and I was on that uh, for SAS Barley for five years, I think, and uh, that is was just eye-opening for me to see the the level of uh, commitment that so many researchers and so many so much of the scientists around um, Western Canada and, and the breeding community and and all all the the biological sciences and stuff, how much effort is being put into getting the crops we need or the barley bread and all the other crops as well uh, for farmers in Western Canada. It's, it's, uh, 
I, I just never imagined. I, I had no idea what, what, what it was about until I got involved in it. And then seeing it all play out and seeing how organized it was really mostly on a volunteer basis. And so um, it was just really, I, I would have to say it was my best experience that I've had on the board up till now, I guess I got three more months so we could get a better one yet here, a few or, or six more months, but, but up till now, that's been definitely, uh, definitely been the highlight of, of, uh, of my time on the board. Pretty critical uh, set of meetings happens every year. Yeah. 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 Already touched on it a little bit in a couple of previous episodes of the season of the barley bin. It, I'll have to say that, I mean, uh, the first couple of years was, was a pretty big learning curve and not that that was bad, but I mean, just just get, figuring it out. But once once you sort of got the the um, the understanding of what was going on, you could really see the dynamics of how all the breeders were at work to to improve what we're doing as farmers. And uh, and I, it's a, something that's most farmers don't have much of an idea about. And I I sort of spent a t- bit of time trying to get people to to know more about it. But it's it was definitely a highlight of my time on the board. Yeah, I think one of the the really interesting things about those committee meetings as well is, um, you know, you really have the entire value chain sitting there and invested in um, high quality breeding activities for Canada. Yeah, and I mean that that's a, that's something I should mention too. Is I mean, you sit at a table with everybody from um, the head of procurement for Anheuser Busch right down to to me growing. 800 acres of barley like it's uh it's you know everywhere in between like every maltster and every plant breeder and involved in western canada comes through those those tables that meeting and and uh, and everyone's there for the same reason we're there to make things better and so uh it's uh it's a good it's a good experience yeah i'm gonna follow up one more thing because i think it's really neat that um the, the strong voice that farmers can bring to those committees as well right like i you know, I sit there representing Sask Barley and uh, it was, they want to hear from producers. Definitely. They, definitely. they want to hear uh, your experience with those varieties and what you're seeing in your field. And I, I think that really brings some strength to the Canadian industry. I would agree fully that uh, they, I, I don't know, you know, when we got on there, Jill and I both got onto the, the quality uh, committee at, at sort of the same time as Jill, maybe you're ahead of me, but uh that's something that maybe farmers hadn't been involved in much before and, and don't have a lot of ex I mean I sure didn't have a lot of expertise in it when I started in on it I can sort of fake my way through some of those uh, technical terms now on but uh definitely the experience of the grower uh in sorting out that quality on the malt side and on the feed side is valuable there it's there's I mean we're not the most valuable person at the table, but we are definitely need that input. And so uh, it's, it's producers need to be at these things needs to be at the, at that, at that level, also on the agronomy side, we need producers there, but um, we need to find people who are wanting to come and see it. And no, I don't, I don't think anybody who would come to that would say that they went away, not learning something and and not uh, being better for it. Yeah, I, I know I've been attending those meetings for the better part of 10 years and I always yeah. still find something valuable other than learn a little bit here yeah. or there. But yeah, those yeah. Uh, first couple of years, that learning curve is pretty steep. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, a lot of terms to take in, but it, uh, it, you, uh, you definitely, uh, are, you definitely can get a lot of knowledge out of it though, to help you, help you on your farm for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the contributions made there certainly, uh, contribute back to the industry too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So based on your answer to the, your most uh, favorite experience while on the board, well, maybe it's a similar, but uh, just in case it's not, I'll throw the question out there anyway. What is the most important thing you've learned while you've been on the board? Um, I, I think the most important thing I learned on the board has been how interconnected all these things actually are. Like you sort of sometimes feel as a farmer as you're not involved in a, you know, you're out on your own and you're doing what you're doing, but, and you are, but uh, there's a huge interconnection to all the, the industry. And I, you, from on the barley side, you, I, I could talk about that more, of course, but um, you learn that you are maybe not, not the most important, um, but you're, you know, what your importance is, I guess. And, um, and maybe you're able to also, I think more important is to be able to bring the producer voice in because they, uh, the industry sort of understands how important the producers are but if you're not there voicing it the it can get overlooked and so uh we lots of times as farmers like think well what was that bonehead decision about blah 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 and you know he you can talk like that at the coffee shop but sometimes it truly was because they didn't know what we were doing you know or what our perspective of was it and i've been at the table many times where i you know that something's being discussed about what direction should be taken, uh, you know, on a, on a maltster side or, or something like that. And said, well, that doesn't work for us as a farmer. And they're like, Oh, well, we, we never thought of it that way. And, 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 uh, it's been, I think definitely been a huge importance that we've had producers at that, at that table to voice those opinions. And I'm not saying that we changed the world at all. Like, I don't think we changed it that much, but it changed the perspective. And all of a sudden now uh, on things like variety acceptance, I would say that there's, we've moved the needle in the last couple of years. Uh, it's, you know, we, we really pushed at the start that Metcalf has to go. It's just not doing the trick on the, on the farms. And uh, I would say now that that's it's going and we're, we're getting some pretty good varieties to take its place. And uh, we don't want to, I mean, I sure wouldn't brag about how fast it's gone, but we've all on the board had a, a say in trying to move that along. And and, uh, and and the only way to get it to happen was to work with the maltsters and brewers because they're our customers. And, and until they wanted something different, it wasn't going anywhere. So uh, that interaction was has been very important. And that's maybe one example of that interaction, but just being there to have that interaction is, is definitely been a huge importance as being, being on SAS Barley. It's going to just follow up on that question, Brent, a little bit, because it has been a priority at our board table um, for variety acceptance because Metcalf and Copeland were the dominant varieties for so long. Um, and I, I think I can remember in 2014 when we all kind of, started with sauce barley it was like we got to move these varieties along and it's it's kind of been a, a slow journey um but we think we've got a little bit more of a process 
happening now there. Um, do you want to go back and just talk a little bit about how important the farmer voice has been in trying to advance that? Um, and I'm thinking because, do you remember there was a, a meeting with yeah, brewers and maltsters and, uh, and you were there and it was just, it was seemed like such a maybe a like yeah. in, South, in Saskatoon at the Bez are you referring to yeah, yeah okay yeah, I am. okay well, like so I think that was well I can't remember the year that was it's probably five or six years ago like you say and, and it was at PGDC and, and at a BNBRI meeting and at the time Michael Brophy who was a who was a very good guy who was there was their ED and uh, I just sort of mentioned to Michael I said well we had some issues with um Oh, that no, that name of that variety uh, escapes me. Uh, Meredith. Meredith, yes. <laughs> so Meredith, uh, we had issues with Meredith CDC Meredith barley and how had it had been pushed as sort of the next up and coming barley and then just was dropped like a stone. So I was able to, through the help of Michael, bring that issue to the maltsters and brewers in the room, and they honestly told me what what went on in their world around Meredith. And, and it was, it was eye opening to say, you know, they had issues with it from the start and that wasn't communicated to farmers and they, uh, they gave it a try, but it, it just wasn't working out. And, and, you know, and there maybe was uh, certain uh, groups that were pushing it harder than others. And we were giving bad signals to farmers and we could, we're from that that discussion, and it was sort of like a two or three hour discussion and probably longer than that in the in the evening afterwards, uh, it definitely led to some of the steps that we take now about how do we keep that communication open and how do we advance these varieties that are expensive to develop? They're not that cheap. Um, how do we advance these varieties that are improved agronomically into the end use in industry and then how do we try to stop forcing a variety on them that's not going to work out for what they what they need? And so that communication needs to go both ways. And uh, that was definitely, I mean, they, they just, it was a really good discussion. And I think possibly one of the first times it really had happened between producers in Western Canada and the rest of the industry, it, it, it seemed like it was a new thing to me at the time anyway. And so... Um, yeah, that's that's just one example of of maybe how we how this sort of started out. And since then, we've had we've built on those conversations, and we've definitely had more in depth conversations at times. And I don't, and it looked like nothing was happening at different times. And then slowly, um, through uh, agencies like CMBTC, who were also present in that, those discussions, we uh, see efforts moving along to promote it to our our export buyers. And that starts to move the needle. Uh, you sort of, it looks like domestic is going to be your, where the trials are going to happen, but then the, you have to go that one step further to, to get the export buyers um, interested. So the line companies will take it on. And, uh, you know, it just start, you start to see what, how it lays out and, and what the steps need to be done. And it's not, I guess it's, it's not hard to, to sort out. It's just a lot of talking and, and some deliberate movement. And we can maybe get these things done, but I definitely, I, I definitely believe that the board members of SAS Barley and and other and Alberta and Manitoba have all helped to uh, um, 
push that along. Uh, and, in, and in the last four to five years that the, we're seeing movement. Yeah, because yeah. I think we're seeing some pretty um, exciting new barley varieties that are, are getting some traction. Um, Definitely. With monsters and, and end users. And, and that's that's an exciting move, I think, for the industry. Progress for the past, I guess, seven years you've been on the board. Um, what made you decide to run for the board twice and, and spend seven years with the organization uh, when we've had, I mean, everyone has busy lives. You have a busy farm. Why did you want to come and spend seven years with us? Almost eight. So, so probably the reasons at the start were different than the reasons that I ran in the second time, but I, I can give a little bit of the start at the start. Um, the board was just the SAS barley and SAS wheat were just getting going. Um, uh, after the removal of the wheat board, there was there was a vacuum there and an opportunity. And I think um, there was a need for the checkoff collection. I mean, that was understood. We needed to have that research function. So that's why the boards were started uh, to give farmers to, to be able to fund the research and the, and the market development needed, but to give the farmers the voice on it, to have the, the farmer representation. So I think at the time I, I was, there were some people around who said, you should, you should, I must've spoke up at the wrong meeting and someone said, you should run for this. And I, and at the time public plant breeding was sort of the, the importance that we were, were focusing on. And so they said, well, you, you could probably fake it, jump in there and try it. So so, so I did, I, I did, I put my name forward and we ran and, and uh, me and uh, Jason, I know Scott and, and Alan Kuhlman were sort of in a group of guys that threw our name in there at the same time. And we ran and we all got on. Uh, so, and as uh, after we were on, you, the learning curve uh, that you're involved in that we've mentioned a couple of times is very steep, not hard, just a lot of information that you that all of a sudden you never even knew about is is in front of you and 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 all and positive and not like you'd I wouldn't have had to done it over a hundred times because it's all been beneficial but it, you takes a year or two to sort of figure out your direction but by the time it came around to the second time running we could see you know there was there was a need to keep going on what we'd started with. And so it was a sort of much easier decision the second time around to run again, to, uh, to try and fin I don't know, finish, but continue on with uh, the initiatives we'd started. So, so uh, I would sort of just say, I, mean, I know this is coming, but I would just say to someone that was, was sort of on the bubble saying like, Oh, I don't know. It's a lot of time. And I'll have to say that. I mean, I couldn't have done this without my, my, uh, my family, wife and, and dad are able to sort of cover for me and my cousins on the grain side, uh, you know, the odd day when I need to be at home doing something, they were able to cover me off on that. That's definitely an issue. But uh, um, once that you, you find the ways to do it, once you've sort of been involved in it, you find the ways to make it work because the, the trade-off of, and the knowledge you get and the, and the, the beneficials from being on the board definitely make it worth a while. So it, it, Jill mentioned earlier, it's an election year for SAS Barley. And mm -hmm. I think you kind of alluded to some, you know, some pr pretty positive aspects of it and, and ways you can make it work. But you're talking to somebody who's never been on a board before, uh, you know, a, a board in general, or maybe a, a crop commission. Um, what would you tell them to consider joining that board? So uh, any a board in general, uh, it's, it's, 
I've, I guess I sat on RM boards and I've sat on co-op boards and um, it's probably it, I guess. And Sansas Barley and a few other, I've been on a few other, other than 4-H when I was a kid, uh, which is not unlike, it's very similar actually, you know, with the governance and the, and the, you know, secretary, president, a lot of stuff. Um, the board side of it is not, uh, not overpowering for a person. It's a, I find that, you know, there is a bit of formality to it and which is good because it can certain times discussion needs a little bit of structure, but at other times uh, it's, it's, it's a camaraderie. It's definitely, you get to uh, um, make good friends on the board. You make, you make the ability to good connections and, and uh, good relationships for, for, for lifetime, I'm assuming. And so uh, th- those are all positives, but for someone who's never been on, you know, you, you may be worried about time commitment and, and it, I'm going to say that it, it is a time, there is some time commitment. It's not, it's not nothing. It's been very good about being on a, on barley board is that it's been very good about staying out of the busy times of, of grain farming. Um, it's been very good about, you know, we sort of steer on seeding and harvest and you can sort of steer around a lot of, other times it's having cattle along with it, it gets a little trickier, but, uh, um, it, as far as the time, you know, coinciding with, with farming events, it's been pretty good about avoiding that, but it does take time. And I, I would, I, you know, to be honest, it's probably, <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day, 14 to 20 days of your year, sort of, it would be a fair assessment depending on what committees you're on or, or not or not um there's certain times where you gotta take three or four days once or twice a year uh depending on again on what committees you're on everyone has everyone around crossfire is a is a week or so you know less than a week but three or four days that you you got to you got to book off here and there um and the rest of the time the normal meetings are one meeting here one day here you know once a month for a couple months and then there's nothing during seating and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it does take some time, but I'll, once again, I'll say is that you, you'll find that time. Once you're on the board, you don't, uh, it's not really where you're going to, you know, really feel the burden of it. It's, it's something you're going to want to go to. And so I don't think, uh, anyone who was, who was sort of hesitant saying, ah, oh, you know, I have the time commitment. Um, I'm not going to say it's nothing. It is, it is a commitment, but, but I'll have to say is that you, you probably won't, regret doing it uh it's definitely been beneficial on my behalf have you changed anything on your farm or your farming practices because of what you've learned by being a board member with sauce barley or has yeah i'll leave it with that have you have you changed anything Def- definitely, I definitely changed lots of things. How, how we uh, work around barley and other crops too. You, uh, you're stepping in at a high level here on coming in, especially on a board like SAS barley, where the barley industry is not that. Um, I shouldn't say it's not that deep, but it's not that layered. Uh, we're stepping when you come on onto a board like SAS barley, you're going to be exposed, like I said, from everybody from like the top end of of. Uh, of uh, Anheuser-Busch, like, right? I mean, this person deals with billions of dollars worth of of, uh, of uh, procurement for Anheuser-Busch. You know, I mean, you you your access to these people will change how you look at your farming. Uh, you We work with the breeders who have 
the most knowledge there is about these barley varieties we're growing because they developed them and and you learn stuff from them that that just people on a on a regular on the farm are not going to get to know them. I mean, it's it's our job to try and get that knowledge out there as as a board through extension activities, and that's why Mitch is all of a sudden here now. So that's that'll be good. But um, you learn you learn things that that are good, and I've tried to pass it on to as many people as possible. But I've definitely changed how we uh, approach our our growing barley. I've definitely changed in my marketing side of it because you you learn so much from the buyers what they're looking for you're learning for what um and sometimes it's just little nuances that you didn't really pick up on before because maybe your grain buyer didn't maybe explain it quite as well as they could have and and now you hear the background to it so then you're like oh well okay you know i heard someone say that it didn't make sense to me and now i know now i know why they what they meant when they said that right and so it's definitely changed how I, we act uh how we run our our business here on the farm. Well, some reciprocal value there for sure. For sure, for sure, yeah. You'd mentioned a bit earlier, Brent, about the interconnectedness of the industry and um, anyway, your time here uh, on the SAS Barley Board, you've, you've changed both how you've uh, approached your barley production as well as other crops. What, uh, what do you see has been the value of having an independent voice for barley growers? Well, I think the value for having an independent voice for barley growers, and so this is maybe a little bit, I shouldn't say controversial, but maybe uh, being discussed right now about, they say, I've heard lots of people say, well, there's too many boards, there's too many boards. And, and I, I won't argue that there's not too many boards in certain areas, but all I have to say is that there's not too many boards representing producers on barley. There is definitely not. And um we're in Saskatchewan. We have six producers that sit on sauce barley who get spread a little thin. I even say about to where the people we need to be talking to in the industry, because uh, as I mentioned before that they need that producer input. They, and, and sometimes they don't want it. We need to still give it to them because they definitely need to, to hear what, how things are affected from our end of it. And, and, and like I said before, lots of times it changes minds. And so um, we need to have uh, that producer representation from Saskatchewan because what happens in Saskatchewan is different than what happens in Alberta. And it's, it's not because we're so different as farmers, it's just different realities. We're further from our markets. We rely more on the rail. We, we have different climate to grow our crops in where our yield expectations are different. We have different governments to work with. We have different, um, there's lots of differences, different, different uh, land that, that requires different inputs. I mean, uh, all these things need representation. And even in Saskatchewan, it's a little variety, a wide difference from top to bottom of Saskatchewan in the growing area. Uh, you know, guys that are working up north are, are working with different situations than the guys that are working down, you know, south of Swift Current or, or even on the east side of the province. We need representation from as wide area as possible because what ends up happening, if you if you don't have that wide representation, you're going to miss stuff and, and you're going to miss important things. And so I think it's very important that we don't decide that 
this is all just for nothing or it's all just for people to sit on boards and get a per diem. Uh, that's an easiest thing to say, but uh, until you've actually done it, it it's, it's uh, you don't see the value. And, and, and maybe uh, we need to be talking about this value more often so that more people want to come see it for themselves and be able to relay it out there uh, so that people uh, know what it is that we're actually doing. So I'm going to follow up on that a little bit too. So, so from a SAS Barley perspective, what do you think are the most important things that we're working on right now? So I, I would say the most important things that we're working on right now are to ride acceptance as one of the, one of the high level ones. Um, continuing to try and expand feed barley uh, usage or, or research into feed barley usage, um, feed barley markets, um, anything with feed barley. <laughs> I'm all about feed barley, but the, the uh, those are some of the more important sides of it. I mean, just from things I talked about already beforehand, but um, we have, always the always that hanging over us the transportation issues and and i mean it's hard from the producer side here to, to push that issue it's it's a major it's a major uh, file that that doesn't that's got a lot of deeply rooted uh problems but um Saskatchewan and transportation are always going to go hand in hand, those problems. So so just following up on that, Brent, um what do you, what do you think the most important things are that we are working on within Sask Barley right now as an organization? So I would I would sort of put that down to a couple areas. And once again, the the variety acceptance so we can get better agronomic traits to producers uh, through these new varieties that are being grown, getting the end users to want to use them, getting the 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 exporters like the line companies comfortable promoting them, all that stuff. That's all part of the package. That's a very important thing for producers. Uh, it, like I say, we, we sort of throw numbers around. It's it's more than a million dollars to to bring a variety forward. We don't want to be throwing them away. And so uh, uh, that's a very important aspect. One other aspect that's very important is to continue to have producers at the table, at, at many different tables. And as far as uh, um, representation-wise, we want to make sure that we're not limiting our voice we want to make sure that our voice is still being brought forward and and even though up till now we've had lots of positive experiences it's a fight there's always a fight to try and keep that voice there um people would like to you know it's easier not to have to focus on a, on on more than one group you know if easier just to if you're a if you're an exporter if you only have to worry about your own just your what you're thinking it doesn't, uh, it's a lot easier than having to consider more uh, more points of view, but it's good that we're there to push that point of view. And we need to make sure we don't, don't lose that, uh, don't lose those voices. Thanks, Brent. Um, you know, I, I think we're uh, nearing the end of our, our set of questions for you, unless uh, you've got anything you want to add in. I think we've got one more for you. Um, I would just say that there's been some new new developments that, that we're, that I think are, are noteworthy on that producers have pushed for. And that would be, one of them would be like the 
CBRC, which is the Canadian Barley Research Coalition. And that is sort of turning into maybe this new consolidated research commitment between all producers in so far Western Canada, but it could be all of Canada, uh, to, to work together on barley research. And I think that's been a very positive development. I, I know that, that Jill, you had a lot to do with getting that going. And, and, I, and I think that's been a, a really good thing. I was in part of the initial sort of board getting that um, off on its feet, but um, that's something that could, from now on will maybe be how producers are able to definitely help fund research, but how to influence research. And we got to make sure we don't lose uh, our input on that. I guess another thing I would say is that uh, CNBTC is becoming the the lead out voice on the on the marketing side for Western Canadian barley, and uh, we need to make sure as producers we we keep pushing our voice into that, and that we have that we continue to see the value we have up till now. Uh, it's been very beneficial. Uh, we need to make sure that we don't lose what we've what we've gained there. Uh, those are a couple things that I think that are or something we need to be watching as producers. The, the CBRC, uh, that's the Canadian Barley Research Coalition. The founding partners, I think you mentioned, were, were the three commissions across Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Um, and so the, there's a website in the works for that. It's not uh, up yet, but it should be up um, before, before we head into summer. Um, be available for producers and everybody to go and look at and see what uh, the organization is doing. But uh, one of the key activities um, that CBRC was undertaking was the continuation of the core breeding agreements to support the public breeders at Crop Development Center, um, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and Field Crop Development Center. And I think that that's maybe something I haven't talked about yet at all. We had a lot of controversy around that about a year ago or and up, up till about a year ago um, around uh, the, the seed tax just to to use a little bit of slang, but um, I think that public breeding has, has maybe taken a hit, um, you know, reputation-wise that didn't deserve. Uh, we've been up till now got some real good varieties out of our public breeding. I mean, some of the best in the world, uh, even though Metcalf has sort of become uh, a bit old and long in the tooth, it's definitely led our markets for years. And and our buyers, uh, we've been told that people in China who can't speak a word of English can say the words Metcalf and Copeland. And so, uh, I mean, we that's that that was paid for at the time through uh, through the Weeper, but by producer dollars, uh, we we've pushed to continue that type of breeding, that kind of quality, that kind of reputation uh, through producer dollars uh, and with the benefit that producers can actually gain from that and not have to uh, go through a third party to get access to it. So um, CBRC at, at this point is definitely committed to those core breeding through at the CDC, which is the U of S breeding program and AAFC in, in Manitoba and, and FCDC is somewhat that you, uh, you described there, Mitch, but um up till now they've served us well and uh well, they can continue to serve us well through through committees like the cbr or sort of through uh, foundations like cbrc can uh can have way that producers can fund that and then really not have to pay twice for it i mean that is something that producers don't want to be doing they don't want to have to fund it and then pay for it again and maybe pay for it a third time uh we need to 
to realize that this is about making money for producers and we need to get the right dollars in the right place uh, in a way that benefits them. So Brent, on your farm, obviously you have a lot of crop choices and what makes barley a good choice for you on your farm right now? So price doesn't hurt right now. I don't know that, uh, uh, like, I mean, there's $6 feed barley right now. And I was, that's, that's unheard of in Saskatchewan up to this point. And I don't, I don't see that lasting forever, but, uh, we'll take it while we can get it. Um, uh, other than that, uh, over the long term, barley uh, it's good for the soil. Uh, it it's not it's not as uh, brutal. Of a, I shouldn't say brutal, but it's not as harsh as maybe a wheat crop is on your soil. It, it leaves your soil soft, mallow, and um, we're learning in the last couple of years that that barley actually breaks. And we and we all sort of knew this that barley straw breaks down faster, but by doing that, you're getting a return of nutrients quicker. So you're actually recycling your nutrients faster with, with a barley crop. And, and it's, so it's showing that those benefits, um, maybe in fertilizer, I shouldn't say fertilizer saving, but fertilizer usage. And so, uh, uh, there's benefits along with that. Um, it's a rotational crop. I mean, we, we got to get away from this wheat canola, wheat canola or canola, snow canola, snow canola. Uh, we got a diseases that are, are creeping up on us. Um, we need those crops, those rotational crops. And so that's why I think it's a good choice for producers to consider. And that's why one of the reasons that we grow it, uh, diversifies your, your, uh, your marketing. It gives you, you know, other, other aspects, you're not just reliant on that, on that milling wheat scenario. And I guess there's other ways to sell meat wheat these days too, but it's, it's, uh, it's just more to do with that rotation and uh, and the ability to to have the more than that two crop two crop culture, or, you know, or, or even better than just one crop culture with with the canola snow canola. So, it uh, I would say those are some of the main reasons I would I would work with barley. When when we sit at our board table, we talk a lot about some of our research priorities uh, from an organizational perspective, but what would need to happen from your perspective for barley to be even a better choice on your crop, on your farm? I think to make it a better choice on our farm, it'd be a couple different things. And, and we, uh, you say we discussed it at the table and we do. Um, being able to push malt, push malt or feed barley, but push it a little harder and have the agronomics there to control the, the lodging. Uh, hoping we get rain in a, a good amount again here one of these years on our farm. I guess I should say we've been a bit dry, but if you could push barley to that 100 bushel an acre plus um, and have it still harvestable, uh, you could see profit with a lot lower price. And so, um, that that would give us the ability to access markets in the world that we haven't yet accessed. So I think I think around you know barley has the yield potential to go that high. It's just maybe the, not the agronomic potential because you, it other things limit it. And so on the breeding side, if we could see the breeding side get better straw strength or you know the ability to to stand better, and I know some people are looking at PGRs as maybe that 
that way to get there. And I don't, I guess I don't, the jury's still out on whether or not that's a, a doable scenario, but um, just the ability to push barley harder uh, would open up a lot of, lot more uh, windows, a lot more doors that uh, would give us more options on our farm. I guess one other aspect would be increase, in, uh, better access to a malting company. If we could have more maltsters here, um, it's, it's just one more uh, way to market your crop uh, without having necessarily to rely on that export market, which sometimes is not as, um, uh, sometimes not as reliable as, as you would to a maltster who can work with you on, a, on maybe malt quality. So I think uh, those are two things that would definitely improve, improve barley on, in our farm. So Frank, we, we talked about the interconnectedness of, uh, of the industry, you know, between crops within uh, the barley value chain and, um, yeah, and obviously a lot of issues before the, uh, you know, barley uh, table at the South Barley boardroom and uh, other crop commissions dealing with the issues. So we've seen it here um, in the last few months with a run up of a responsible code of practice, responsible grain code of practice. And, uh, and now we're seeing uh, other issues uh, arise. There's lots of discussion happening on them uh, around uh, carbon in particular right now. So uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how, how does SAS Barley, how does the board come to decisions on these items? Um, what role does SAS Barley play uh, on them? And, and where, where is SAS Barley sitting on them right now? So uh, as a board, I mean, we look at what, created SAS Barley and it was legislation from the provincial government. And it, in that legislation, it, it lays out the core functions of, of a commission, of this commission, and which is market access and research uh, to benefit producers. And so I think as a board, we've been pretty good about saying, you know, at the end of the day, what action, the action we're taking, does that, does that benefit producers? And so we talk about things like carbon and, you know, carbon offsets or carbon credits or, you know, responsible grain, um, that, that whole thing that we just went through there and will be more to go through coming up. Um, where do, how do we deal with that as a board? And, and so uh, the question we, we sat around and said, like, where do producers benefit on this? How do we, how do we communicate our position as a board to that will benefit producers? And so, um, Right now, with this the whole issue on these carbon credits, we've we've had that discussion, and and it's hard to find information about what what direction should be taken. I mean, uh, there's lots of opinions out there. Getting actual solid information to be able to represent producers on that way, we part of our direct a part of our 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 uh, mandate as as a board is advocacy on behalf of producers, and so we have to make sure we don't take these decisions lightly. We don't, we don't get off and lock producers into something that won't be good for them. So it is definitely something we have to deal with and we have worked at it somewhat till now and there'll be more work to do, but uh, uh, we don't, this is sort of a politician type answer, but I, I think as a producer, I want to be careful not to uh, commit to something that won't, won't be beneficial. So uh, on a similar vein, uh, Brent, uh, last SAS Barley annual meeting and a number of the other commissions, uh, there was a motion brought forward. I think you brought forward at the SAS Barley meeting about uh, reporting on sales and trying to get a, a better sense for barley growers uh, around market signals. Uh, you want to tell us a bit about what's happening there? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, barley in Western barley in Canada is not really traded the way, you know, canola or wheat is. And so we don't have very good uh, uh, price discovery mechanism. You know, Lethbridge is sort of the, the baseline they use. And I mean, that's just sort of a collection of brokers prices and it's, it's not really well established. Um, and it's also really hard to, to price an, an export uh, basis and stuff off of that. And so we we pushed as a we discussed it as a board and and other people on other boards were discussing it as well that we would thought it would be a good idea to have a similar program to what they have in the U.S. and, and that's where they report as a daily reporting of of sales over a certain limit or or a weekly reporting of all sales to uh, to be put together in a report to be released weekly I guess and and then that would give producers the ability to see what sales have been volume what's volume of sales have been actually turning at any given time and that would definitely you know we look at a year like this year where, where canola has been sort of the the one that's really got everyone revved up where a lot of canola was sold early and then all of a sudden the price took off before maybe we understood what was going on and uh barley every year suffers from transparency issues like that where we don't know what's being sold at any given time and so um we felt that it would be important it you can get this information in the us that's something that these big grain companies do down there all the time as well as smaller grain companies they report uh we thought would be a good initiative to have up here in canada so we we've started the the process as a board is pushing for this, it's not, it's far from done, but it's something we felt we needed. And I think that it'll be beneficial producers in the end, having more information is never bad. And uh, at the right time, it can be very, very critical. So uh, we hope that that'll be, I won't be able to finish that on the board, but we're gonna push as much as we can at the start. And hopefully we can get a good foothold on it and, and be able to carry that through. Thank you to Brent Johnson for taking time to join us today and share his knowledge and ex experiences. If you liked what you've heard here, rate the podcast, tell a friend and subscribe. Sass Barley will be bringing you back to the barley bin to hop in and get itchy. Till next time, signing off.